Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to Him forever. Welcome everybody who's listening. This is Catholic Stuff You Should Know. I'm at the Los Angeles Religious Ed Congress without my glorious co-host, Father Nathan Goebel. Um, so I am finding people to come on and to tell their stories about their Catholic life and um, the Catholic stuff they know and the Catholic stuff they want to know, etc. So um, I have with me actually a special treat, an expected special treat, uh, Teresa Mangles. She is the husband of Josh Mangles, who we Wife. had on earlier. Oh, so excuse me. <laughs> I'm nervous. This is my first time. Um, <laughs> the wife, excuse me. We're not that kind of podcast. Um, of, uh, <laughs> of Josh Mangles, who we had on the... The, uh, which uh, I love that podcast about his his conversion and your conversion um, from Pentecostalism uh, to Catholicism and into our Byzantine Catholic faith. So I, I thought it'd be good. We, we only have 15 minutes, but I thought it'd be good to kind of have a point counterpoint or, or your story of, of what that was like being the wife of someone who who kind of found the faith the way he did and then finding it yourself. Absolutely. Um you know, when I go back, I remember being in a prayer meeting when we were my, when my husband was pastoring at the church, and I remember praying a prayer, and it just, the Lord will sometimes just still remind me, you know, of that prayer, and I remember praying, Lord, I lay down everything I think to know that is truth, you know, my upbringing, what I know about church, and I remember saying, God, show me truth, show me what I need to know to get closer to you, <laughs> and never in a million years what I would have thought that we would be Catholic, you know, that meant being Catholic. (laughs) You didn't know what you were Um, asking. (laughs) No, exactly. But my heart, I was open and I wanted more of Jesus. I wanted more of God. And, um, I just thank God for, you know, him placing that in my heart. Obviously it was him. And so then that's when my husband began his, you know, journey of finding truth, you know, so so. you open the door without knowing it. I, I, one of the aspects I love about forgiveness is that, mm-hmm. you know, we the church and the body of Christ is so human that oftentimes, and I did, I did a whole podcast on forgiveness a couple of years ago, but oftentimes with forgiveness, um, we, we are told by psychologists, and it's true, that we first forgive for ourselves. We, we forgive sure. someone to be free uh, of the, the, the hurt that they've caused us and, and a need for retribution. But the reality is as soon as we do forgive, even if it's only for ourselves the door is open for the other person to find healing. Because obviously if they've hurt us immensely, they need to have that healing. Us forgiving them in, in a very deeply spiritual level has opened the door for our Lord to continue working in their heart through our prayers, the body of Christ. And that's what I'm hearing what you did. You, your, your prayer might have opened the door for our Lord to work in your husband's heart since, since you know, and our Lord took that opportunity and answered your yeah. prayer in a sense in a very real way. Yeah, I definitely see that. Yeah. So what was the... Um, he, I remember for the podcast, by the way, um, if, if you did not hear the podcast he did with, with Josh Mangles, he was a, a Pente- grew up Protestant, as did you, Teresa, and um, he was a, a Pentecostal pastor and minister, uh, led many souls, he had media programs, etc., and then he started, I think it was a friend gave him a, a, a CD on, on um, what was it? It was a... Uh, uh, mortal Sin. Mortal Sin, thank you. It was yeah. Mortal Sin, and that kind of 
And he called you that day, he said. (laughs) The the other conversions of other pastors I've heard, they usually don't tell their spouse for a long time until they're kind of ready for that firestorm that they usually give. But he called you that same day. Thank you for your openness. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, you know, I remember him calling me and he's like, but but you're you're not going to, you won't believe this. I said, what? He's like, but the the guy is Catholic. I'm like, no. (laughs) So it was like, and then he didn't really talk to me about maybe like a couple months later. Yeah. So it was just like no way, yeah. you know. What was that? What was that experience like going from something you never would have imagined? I mean, he he, he described you on the podcast as as saying like, "I will never become Catholic." I like yeah. something that is that black and white. <laughs> what, what was the process of changing something that was so solid in your heart to something that was not? Well, you know, one thing that would always bother me, like in our Protestant church, was. Um, there was some scriptures that would just bother me, like, you know, on marriage, mm. when Jesus talked about marriage and, you know, St. Paul would talk about marriage and I would read that and I would say, no, this is, how could we go, you know, how could we not have, you know, but one spouse, you know, and within the Protestant church churches, every denomination has a different interpretation. Yeah. And me and my husband, we've always believed, you know, once you're married to that person, that's your spouse, right. you know? And so it would bother me. And I remember talking to my husband one time and he was like, you know, the only people that believe that is Catholics. <laughs> I'm like, no, but that can't be it. But, you know, I had no understanding of Catholicism. Catholicism. I only knew what I knew like in media, um, just what I saw on TV. So I the really... Exorcist, things like that. Exactly. <laughs> I had movies. no idea... And um, he just began to kind of, you know, teach me a couple of the things, you know, doctrines. And doctrines, I'm like, you know, that that sounds right. And then he gave me some books, you know, about the early church fathers. And I loved it. It was just holiness and purity. Mm. And that's what I was longing for. And so... Let me ask you this. Oftentimes, as as a Catholic, I will think, in order to try to share the truth of, of the faith, you know, I certainly I was on a, on a conversation with a gentleman on the airplane flying out here, and um, he did not believe in objective truth. He did, he did not. He was a he's he's a wine importer. So I think he was basing his our understanding of Christ on on his understanding of wine. And he would say, no, everybody has a different favorite wine. So can't you say that other religions that their concept of the truth is just like it is for Catholicism? It's like, well, no, wine is different than the man Jesus Christ. It's either it's either true or not true. Something we sure. say about him. Um, but th- there is, oftentimes I think we Catholics, when we think about trying to share that and even draw converse to the faith, we often think, if I become more Protestant in my language, if I become more Protestant in my actions, I might attract them because of their Protestantism, like like the things that they're so a- attached to. I could say, well, we have that as well, but uh, am I hearing you saying we need to be ourselves? Exalt exactly. what we do well that makes Catholics Catholic. Sure. And you know, I've never, I have to say, I've never met somebody that was Catholic that knew their faith. Okay. Um, and that's one thing is coming to the Catholic Church, it's really, it's just the fullness. Like, I did love Jesus as a Protestant. I loved him. I desired him. But I wasn't, I didn't have the fullness. Right. And being a Catholic, it's like you have the fullness, you have the sacraments. And... Okay. Um, there's just not a proper understanding. I really believe if, if people knew what the sacraments were and what they meant, and they heard Catholics being on fire yeah. and bold about their faith and yeah. knew what their faith, you know, knew what they believed and why they believed it, I think more people could come, could yeah. possibly come. It was like a whole new world being open to me. Hmm. 
you know, it was just, it was mind blowing. Yeah. I, I know there is something about, about confidence. You know, um, I think uh, uh, some of the, the Protestant doctrines of once saved, always saved. Like, for instance, that doctrine comes out of a place of, I want to feel confident. I want to be able to speak to something and say, that is done. It is black and white. And, of course, much of the faith is gray. Much of the faith is sure. the man, Jesus Christ, is, is a person. And that you're, you're in a relationship. And relationships are never black and white, as you know, as a married sure. person. It's not. So we desire that. And, of course, there are aspects of our Catholic faith. But I think a lot of times when I see the, the Protestant the protesting, you know, the Catholic Church, and that they... they don't want to live in the gray of what is Catholic sometimes, and they want to be able to say, once saved, always saved, grace alone. These things that part of our humanity does latch onto as far as I can be confident in this. And maybe that's what Catholics can take from this, is to say, we we are confident and we can, we can speak to the confidently into the gray, go confidently sure. into the confusing parts while still having aspects of our faith that are very black and white, the doctrines that we can stand behind and, and be confident about. And that confidence is attractive for the one who has it, but absolutely. also the one who is observing that confidence. That's absolutely, I, I totally agree with that. And by the way, that works for those of you who want to date as well. <laughs> I, I think, right? Doesn't confidence, confidence is attractive, right? Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I, I've often been thinking recently that one of the greatest gifts that I think when I observe my brothers and sister, one of the greatest gifts my parents instilled in us is, is confidence. It's like, sure. it is, it is in a real way, such a virtue and it, it is attractive and it's, it's something that allows us to deal with a lot of anxiety and tension and it's not an easy thing to have if you weren't raised with it, but... Sure. So, so you you were attracted to the, the the Bible passages that you might have are the Spirit was already kind of putting in your head. You were saying that there is a church that has the answers that I already felt in my heart, in a sense. But the whole church believes this. Is that right? That's right. And so, as these truths began opening up to me, it was just like wow. I was just I really just was blown away. Mm. Um, my husband and I, we would stay up, we would be up till two and three in the morning just talking about Catholicism and talking about the doctrines and the dogmas and our blessed mother and, you know, these things that I feel like I just, I I was robbed my whole life because I never knew, you know, I I didn't know. And um, so it was like just the Lord really opening my eyes and my heart to see the truths and just being so grateful and thankful. Yeah. Um, it was really hard, the transition, because we lived um, in a parsonage at the church. Right. So our home was there. Yep. And we thought, you know, I remember the time my husband and I, we said, you know what? You're not in the succession of Peter. <laughs> that wow. was like, you know, as he's the pastor and we're just like, we have, we cannot do this anymore. We mm-hmm. can't do this any longer. We loved people. We love people, so we wanted people to know the truth. Yeah. It was so hard. You know, there's so many times I wanted to tell the other members, the women in the church, "Oh my gosh, guess what I learned!" You know? <laughs> but it was I, I couldn't. Yeah. Um, but that was, I think, the hardest part is really just saying, you know, if we we don't have a savings, we don't have anywhere to live. I mean, if we're just living on the streets, is it worth? Being able to partake of the Eucharist. Wow. And you know what we said? It is. Wow. It's worth it. And wow. so we didn't really know what was going to happen. Okay. But um, we just trusted God. Yeah. That's incredible. Honestly, I, th- th- that is a, such an extreme act of faith. And, and I would love if you could even talk more into 
what form those sacrifices took because sacrifice is love and, and especially being able to say I, I define love I've had somebody ask me recently why do you say I love you to, to so many people and I said well I define love as I'm if I say I love you to someone I'm saying I'm willing to let you affect my life I'm going to let you in, and I'm going to alter my life because of my love of you. And that's exactly what you guys did. But if you could speak into that sacrifice, I think people would love to hear that. Sure. You know, we've we've always been in youth ministry, my husband and I. And we would always tell the young people, give your lives to Jesus. Give it all up. And I remember saying, you know, Josh and I would talk, and we'd say, if we would tell young people to give it up for Jesus, how much are we willing to give it up when it when the rubber meets the road? Are we really, really willing to lay our lives down? And especially knowing that Jesus is physical, <laughs> physical in the Eucharist, yeah. body, soul, and divinity, body, blood. And um, we, we just had to do it. There was just no holding back. We wanted God. And I didn't want to wait another year, you know, to, we wanted to get in, uh, you know, um, catechism as soon as we can to mm-hmm. be able to partake. You yeah. know, that was like our goal. Yeah. And so we, we just needed to do it right away. And that is, isn't it, the heart of sacrifice is, is the sacrifice of the cross was Christ giving everything. Not just sure. time, not money, not stuff. It was he gave everything and he gave his very life. And that, that in a sense, what is at the heart of faith. And you, you recognize that. You were attracted to it and willing to be Christ-like. That kind of put your money where your mouth is, but your actions, you know, walk the walk <laughs> and talk the talk that you were telling to the youth and do it in a very real way. You know, I, it, is, it is incredible how often that works. We talk about this with stewardship and tithing all the time, but how, how it is like if you give everything, That's right. you might be homeless. It's not the last thing in the world. <laughs> God can love you. You can be a great Catholic if you're homeless. You can be very joyful of homeless, but that doesn't often happen. Oftentimes That's Christ right. kills us with our needs, but we need to be open to that. You know, you rarely hear that from people preaching tithing and stewardship. You might give everything and not get any money back. You're still going to make you a better follower of Christ, That's but awesome. most likely he is going to give you that, that back because the, the, the comfortable life, uh, uh, relative comfort, of course, is the life of the Christian to be able to, to be restful and settled. But honestly, that, that's a life that in my celibacy, I, I don't want a comfortable life. I, I would be a horrible Christian if I lived a comfortable life. I sure. need struggle. I need, I need the radical. And of course, it's, I can say that because I'm celibate and it's just me. When, you, when you're leading a family into that, which what you guys did, you have children? That's right. We have three. Wow. Um, and another on the way. Thank Congratulations. God. Congratulations. Yes, thank All you. Right. Um, so our, um, our daughter at the time, she was... 16 she's she was going to be 17 and then we have the two boys um he was 14 and my youngest son is well now he's 12 but he was like 11 i think at the time and the two boys they understood they were just like okay yeah you know it makes sense but my daughter she was like no way there's i'll never you guys are going to be catholic there's no way i'm going to be catholic and my husband and i would look at each other and say we Lord, we, we need to do this as a family, yeah. you know? And so I think it took about two months. We gave her a book um, and we said, you know what, Eva, just read this with an open heart. Right. And within two months, she came to our room and she's like, mom, daddy, um, I, I want to do this with you. Wow. And so I just, yeah. So our whole family came over. We, you know, a handful of people from the church as yeah. well came, came with us. And now she's in college. She goes to John Paul the Great. Okay. Um, she's in San a, Diego, right? Yes, that's okay. right. And she's just growing in her faith. She's on wow. fire for God. Do you and remember what that book was? People are going to want to know. It, it, it was uh, Father, Father Knows Best by, um, ah. by Jimmy Aiken, okay. I believe. Right. Yes. 
Wonderful. So. Okay. Well, uh, you, you parents are that are listening that need to, <laughs> need to get your children on fire, teenagers especially, there's, there's one suggestion. So, okay. Well, thank you so much. No, thank a- you for Anything else? Any me. challenges? Any messages? Anything on your heart that you want to share with those who are listening? Yes. I, I just want to encourage um, every follower of Christ to be bold for Christ and to be bold about your faith and let people know. People... I believe there are people that love Jesus, but they just don't know. And how will they know unless we tell them? Right. So we are geared. God has given us. We have the fullness of Christ. That We have the church, the Catholic church. Everything we need is in the church. And let's be bold and share our faith and let them know how and why. Why do we believe and do what we do? Amen. Amen. All right. And finally, podcast tradition. Do you have any shout outs? Anybody that you might, you might suggest listen to this that you want to give a um, quick shout out to yes I want to thank um, the journey the coming home network okay. that was a blessing for me um, I, I thought maybe we're just weirdos and we're being deceived there was a, <laughs> at times I would think that yeah. and then I would watch an episode and be like oh we're not the only ones so I that was a, a huge blessing for me okay perfect yeah. alright Teresa thank you so much for coming on it thank was, you it was a father But you heard from Teresa Mangles, who was his wife, who gave us a, a 20 minute, a 20 minute uh, summary of the conversion and, and that life in Christ uh, from her perspective. And now we have their three beautiful children. Um, so I'm, I'm honored to have you guys here. Thank you for when I was your age, I never would have been able to go on something like this and, and talk to a microphone. You guys look very confident and rested. That's good. So thank you for that. We have your Eva. Eva is... I, I had them test the microphones by saying what their what their name, age, and favorite color was. So I'll just do that again right now. So go ahead and do it again. Name, age, and favorite color. Um, I'm Eva Mangles. I'm 18, and my favorite color is blue. I'm Noah Mangles. I'm 12 years old, and my favorite color is blue. Um, I'm Josh Mangles. I'm 15, and my favorite color is orange. The whole reason I had them do that again is because I said them the first time. So they're from Tucson, of course. Tucson your whole life, or would you live in Seattle, Eva, when you were young? Yeah, we lived in Seattle and Texas as well, so we've kind of moved around a bit. Okay, so were, were you guys Seahawks fans in Seattle? Definitely. Are you still Seahawks fans? Yeah, yeah you, we you, are. You are still Seahawks fans. So anyway, I said, because blue and orange, of course, are Denver Broncos colors, so I was, I was rubbing, at, rubbing that in without knowing I was rubbing that in. Um, so welcome to the podcast, guys. Um, what I would like to start with, because this was another conversation we had, and I thought it was beautiful, and you guys are so much more mature in your faith, I can tell, than I was at your age. So um, you all chose, when, you're, when your family together converted from the Pentecostal church into the, into the Byzantine Catholic Church, you chose chrismation. Chrismation is the way that we Byzantines say confirmation, same sacrament. Um, it's just a different word. You chose saints. So if, if you could please tell me that the saint you chose yourself, and then tell me a little bit about their story and why you chose them. So Eva, you first. Uh, for my confirmation saint, I chose St. Margaret of Antioch, and she was one of the first martyrs in the early church. Um, they tried to martyr her a few times, and she she wasn't dying, but they they did eventually kill her. Um, so that's why I chose her, because she was a martyr in the early church, and I thought it was very, just really a, a, a crazy story. Yeah, and she was a, a fighter, and <laughs> obviously God did not want her to die right away as a witness. So beautiful. Margaret of Antioch, correct? All right, Noah? For my patron saint, I chose St. Luigi of Scrisopi. And he was, he like uh, took in young women from the streets and stuff and gave them like a school and like cared for them and taught them stuff. And I chose him because I like his story and I like what he did. And yeah. Beautiful. Thanks, bud. All right, and Josh? 
Um, my patron saint was uh, Saint John O'Gilvie, the patron saint of Scotland. And a short story would be: um, so he was born in Scotland. He was sent to as a, he was born in Scotland as a Protestant. He was sent to Europe to study, study school, and um, there he converted to Catholicism on his own. He was by himself. And then uh, he was, he, when he, okay, so then he, he wanted to be a priest, so he became a priest. He went to Scotland to preach about Catholicism, convert everyone, and so and then he got martyred there, so yeah. Amen. Three saints I had never heard of, so you guys are educating me. I appreciate it. Especially being Byzantine, I, I thought I knew everybody from Antioch, but I did not know about St. Margaret of Antioch, of course, in modern-day Syria. Speaking of that, of course, as you guys know, Syria is a, is a horrible place to be right now. It's very dangerous with the violence. Some of the Syrian martyrs, of course, including St. Margaret, have been some of the most heroic martyrs we have. And we have, like, Christians in Syria are being martyred to this day. And there's a long tradition of, of the ground of Syria being just a seedbed of beautiful, beautiful Christianity. Um, so, anyway, thank you for taking one of the, the saints of Antioch as, as your Saint Eva. Um, so, I would, we've heard from your dad and your mom about that process. And how, how long ago, I was just sharing this, how long ago did you guys, were you chrismated? Did you become fully Catholic? So last Easter, we fully came into the church. This, this is less than a year ago. Yes. Less than a year ago. So you guys were about your age, maybe just a little bit younger, a year or two younger when, when all this happened. So I'd love, I'll let you start, Eva, because you're the oldest. What, what, what is basically, how would you share with, with Catholics who are listening, who, who, who would love to hear the story of a 16, 17, 18-year-old, of the very real story, if you don't hold nothing back if you don't want to, of the struggles, of the positive, the negative, and, and how you came to be where you are now. Yeah. Um, okay, so... <laughs> Cowboy! <laughs> We're, uh, we just had the mic. We threw it at Eva, and she handled it well. So <laughs> there you go. Um, so it started, uh, it was the summer before my senior year. It was the end of my junior year. So I was about, um, I was like 16. This was like a year and a half ago, I think. Um, and I just started hearing my parents uh, talk about the Catholic Church. And I've never really heard them talk about the Catholic Church. Um, uh, my dad was a pastor, and we loved what we did so much. Um, my dad was a pastor for four years, and that's why we moved to Tucson, Arizona, was so he could pastor this church. Um, I grew up Protestant my entire life, and Jesus was always such a huge part of my life. Like my, Some of my first memories were actually of Jesus and my parents telling me stories of Jesus, and my first memories are of me being just a little girl and just loving Jesus so much. So I... We were always very close to God, and um, me, I, I felt like me and my whole family felt as if my dad, um, being a pastor, is what he was really called to do. Um, we started seeing a lot of growth in the church, and we started feeling more closer to God, and everything seemed to be going so great. Um, I felt like I knew what I kind of wanted to do in my life, like I wanted to be um, a children's teacher for the church for a church when I was older. Um, and then I started hearing my parents talk about Catholicism, and I was like, oh, it's just a phase. Like, they'll get through the phase. Like, it's just... <laughs> they normally say that about teenage daughters. <laughs> oh, it's just a phase, and you're saying this about your parents. I <laughs> yeah. love it. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so I started hearing them. They wouldn't be directly talk, speaking to me about it, but I would just hear them. And I was like, oh, they'll get over it. And then as the weeks went on, they started speaking to us about it, saying, um, just bringing up stuff about Catholicism. And there was... Um, 
and it just started increasing more and I was like what if this is not a phase um so yeah um and then they started having more talks with us about it saying um you know like the I think we think the Catholic Church might be the one true church and I was like no like this is insane this is not right and because I never really put a lot of thought into the Catholic Church my entire life all I knew was that they were wrong because they worshipped Mary and that they prayed to dead people. (laughs) (laughs) And I was just like, that is not okay. Like, um, and I always, we would always, I always at least compared Catholics to like the Pharisees of Jesus' time. Um, and I was common among (laughs) Protestants. I do know that. Yeah. So I was like, that's terrible. No, that's wrong. And my, my dad would have a lot of talks with me about it. And he, that he, one of the things he told me was um, how the Catholic Church believes in the Eucharist and how it really is Christ's blood and body and how in um, the gospel Jesus says, unless you eat of me, you can have no part of me. And he really broke that down to me. And um, I, I kept on denying it, being like, no, then, that, then that'd be cannibalism. It's, that's weird. Um, but I just kept on thinking of those scriptures um, as well as the apostolic succession is really one thing that got me. Um, for there was about two months when my brothers they did accept the Catholic Church and my parents did and I was the only one who didn't. Wow. Um, those two months were probably the hard, some of the hardest months of my life. Um, I always felt like my whole life I could rely on my parents, especially my dad, for any any questions about religion. And I felt I always I knew Jesus was there, but I kind of didn't pray for him to for a little bit because I felt so confused. I I didn't know what to do. I was thinking of my life of. Um, not be going to church with my parents anymore because I was like, I will never become Catholic. And I was imagining them becoming Catholic and me staying a Protestant and just imagining what my life would be like. Those months were really hard. Um, but um, by the grace of God, he, his Holy Spirit, um, he, like, he kind of, I came, I came to the realization that through the apostolic succession, which really helped me accept the Catholic Church because as a Protestant, I would really struggle with what, um, who gives authority? Like, how do we know what to believe? Every pastor has a different um, idea. Even with my own dad as a pastor, I would ask him questions, and he would be my authority, but I would wonder if something were to happen to him, who would I turn to then? And um, that was that is one thing that really helped me um, is apostolic succession as well as the authority that comes from the Pope. And, um, and everything about it is just so beautiful and amazing. And I, I still can't believe we only became Catholic a year ago because yeah. I can't imagine not being Catholic. Okay. <laughs> that That's beautiful. Thank you. And and, and there, there are so many things I want to ask you about that, that exact story. I, I'm going to let your brothers talk too. Okay. But, but the, the, the fact that you were right on that transition to adulthood during all of this, and it sounds like that was a major coming-of-age thing. You were, you were independent enough to say... I'm not going to do this with you at, at, at that point. And then, but you were mature enough to also trust them and to understand authority, the, the reliance on your parents and yet the independence from them and then making it your own, but through their guidance and through their leadership. Yeah, that's beautiful. Okay, thank you very much. All right, uh, let's go ahead and go to you, Josh, and, and let you um, say next, just your, your general impressions and, and what that experience was like. We'd love to hear. Okay, so, um, yeah, like kind of and, the same thing. And how old are you again now? I'm 15 and a half. 15, thank you. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> So, um, yeah, my dad and, like, they just started talking about, like, Catholicism and, like, kind of, like, for, like, a couple months, they were all talking about it, and, like, my mom and dad, and, like, I was just, like, a little confused, but, like, I didn't really give much attention to it, and then, like, 
it kind of just like happened we had like a couple discussions at home and like it kind of just like clicked to me like it really made sense like I don't know everything about Catholicism it, it makes more sense than Protestantism to me at least I don't know it was very simple to me it, yeah. everything clicked you know so what, what was the what was the if you could say kind of one concept one idea about I mean you guys obviously you, I, I can tell you loved Christ as, as Protestants obviously and he, he was he was the main thing in your life but what was the what was the thing if there was something Josh what was the big transition point to say this just feels different and, and good well, so, um, like, honestly, the, uh, the Eucharist, it really made more sense. Like, in the Bible, it, it says, like, directly, like, this will become the body and blood. And, like, it, it made a lot of sense. And Protestants, they just say that, um, like, it's just a representation. And I don't know, like, the Protestants, everyone has, like, different, everyone believes different, like, different things. Like, no one has, a, like, a direct, like, belief of the, over the same thing. But for Catholics, it's like there's always the answer to every, there's not multiple answers. They answer to everything, so... Amen. Thank you, bud. Perfect. Perfect. And uh, Noah, any impressions you have or a story that, from, from your life at that time that people would like to hear? And how old are you, by the way, first? I'm 12 right 12 now. 12 years old. All right. Thanks. So, um, yeah, same, kind of the same thing. Uh, they were talking about it a couple months until they had a talk with us. That, like, yeah, and um, I remember saying, like, I'm never going to become Catholic and stuff. And then, uh, but um, then we just we just like learned more about it and it kind of just made sense what like more than protestant and um the fact like the fact that uh, there's like 40 like 40,000 different denominations in protestant but there's only one catholic church and yeah so amen okay thank you one other thing that i'm curious about too that i'd love to hear before we go is you guys obviously converted into the into the Byzantine Catholic faith and the divine liturgy is very different from really any western liturgy or even western culture so how how do you as as one adult a young adult and, and two kids how do you stay engaged during an hour 15 long ancient divine liturgy what what do you think about what do you pray what what what, what keeps you as as young people I know what keeps me engaged, but I'm 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 40. What 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 keeps what do you like about the divine liturgy? What keeps you attentive? Anybody, go ahead. Well, for me, um, coming into the Byzantine Church at first was really amazing for me, at least because of the fact that we were transferring from uh, Protestantism to Catholicism, and in the Western world, um, Protestantism and like the normal Protestant service and a Roman Catholic. Church church service has similarity just because of the western culture so for me it was really helpful to go into the byzantine rite just because of how different it was and i needed that reminder to be like what you are doing is different like you are you're going into something that's completely different and it was kind of a culture shock to go from the the main mainstream protestant service to um a Byzantine right liturgy, um, but I think what helps helps helped me and still does um, is just the words in in the liturgy and how it's just so profound. Everything and um, and um, also the icons keep me engaged and the singing. I, I think all of it's so beautiful um, and every it all reminds me of Christ and uh, look makes me uh, look forward to being in heaven one day with all the saints. Amen. Amen. I like that. Icons singing, the, the things that make it human, make it sensory. Boys, anything? It was, it was a big change from Protestantism because there's like a lot more order in the Catholic Church. And um, 
I like uh, order more. And um, when me and me and my brother Josh were like uh, we're altar servers now. Okay. So and also like uh, the singing and stuff. And there's a lot of singing and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Josh, anything? Yeah, it was obviously a big change going from um, Protestant to Byzantine right liturgy. But um, I would say what keeps me most engaged is probably the hymns and just the interaction between the people and the priest. I, I always love like singing the hymns back. It just reminds me of what heaven's going to be like. So. Yeah. I, I agree. It's a the liturgy is very much a conversation between God and us, but also between the priest, the deacon, the people, and and that conversation is very human, very sensory. Smells, bells. We love so much in our Byzantine faith. Literally, smells and bells. <laughs> Um, and everything that makes it so engaging. As I, as I said before, I forget which, I've done so many podcasts today, but one of them that it's, it's like Eden. You know, we, we walk through the liturgy being in, in the church and with the singing. It's like Adam and Eve, before the fall, walked through the beautiful Garden of Eden and God just walked with them. It, it, it wasn't anything forced. It was just very restful and they could, they could be very prayerful and engaging with each other and with God in a very natural way. So... All right. Anything else you would like to say to the Catholic stuff world out there? Any any last thoughts before we go? No. All right. Thank you, guys. This was such a treat. It was it was so nice to have kind of the completion of your family and to hear the perspective from the pastor, the, the pastor's wife, and the mom, and then and then the three kids. So thank you guys for your time. Thank you for sharing that with you. I it was very enlightening and, and helpful to me to hear that as well. And I'm very very proud to have you guys in the church. All right. God bless you. Thanks all for listening. Catholic Stuff Podcast at Gmail. If you want to be in contact with us, you can, of course, find us on social media, too. So thank you. God bless.